Welcome to Corgi Confident. My name's Alyssa. I am the self-proclaimed Corgi Queen. Let's talk Corgis. Hello, Corgi Confident listeners. It is Monday, which means it is time for Maslow Monday. And he is next to me. I don't think he's going to like this episode as much as I am, though. But just to start us off real quick, an update on him. For his sports, there's really no change. Um, And we are still on a break from fly ball. So nothing really super new to report there. So because I don't really have an update on his sports, we are going to talk a little bit about Maslow's naughty side and some things that I have gone through with him and kind of how I trained him out of some of his naughty tendencies. I wouldn't say his naughty tendencies are completely gone, so I would say the progress we've made and how I'm going about fixing some of these things. And so to start off Naughty Maslow discussion, we are going to start with his sports and some naughtiness he's done there. So the first sport we're going to talk about is agility. And so with agility, he was doing great for the first couple months or so. And then I'd say once the pandemic hit, then we did have a little bit of regression because because classes were canceled. And so we had missed, oh, I don't even remember how much... uh, a month or more classes at least um, and so he had definitely regressed a little bit because of that and when we came back to it we were doing practice outside instead of inside where we usually go so that definitely added an extra element of distraction for him and definitely made it a little bit more difficult. So a lot of what he was doing was, well, when we were outside, there was definitely some marking happening because we were outside, we were on grass, and that was an environment that he had never really practiced in before because we had started in, like, fall or winter of that previous year before, before the pandemic had hit, so he hadn't really been outside at all. And so with the marking outside. He also was kind of wandering more, he was sniffing more, and he just just wasn't very focused at all. So he had to do a lot of work with his leash still on so that I wouldn't lose him, but even then it was just kind of tough for him to focus in in that environment, and I just don't think he was really ready for that, unfortunately. But when we had gone back inside, he would still wander, he would still sniff, um, and he actually started having zoomies, and he would start um, playing with other dogs at the fence. So we'd be in this indoor arena that would be separated, like in half, by a plastic fence that the dogs couldn't get through. But if he saw a dog on the other side that he'd rather play with than do agility, well, then he was more interested in the other dog. So he had just gotten really, really naughty 
pretty unfocused. Um, and so I had tried a couple things. One thing that kind of worked was I brought his mat inside, so his little bath mat that I use for his place. And he was put on his place, and I had like a frozen Kong that he could kind of occupy his, occupy his mind with until it was his turn. And so that worked for a while. And just to back up a little bit, we used to be able to kennel the dogs inside the ring, but due to COVID at this facility, we were not able to. Um, that was against the rules for them. And we were rotating, so you would have set time with the instructor. And so it wasn't really in order. It was just kind of like you hopped in if an instructor was available. And so I couldn't really put him in the car because then there's that potential that I was going to lose a turn or not have time or I would be at the very end and I'd have to do all the things and just not have time. So it didn't really work out to put him in the car. And so I had tried bringing the placemat in. Um, and that worked for a little bit. It worked a decent amount. But it was still... I don't know, something about it, it just didn't really work for him that well. And hindsight's twenty twenty, so obviously I, I now know um, what the issue was. So at the time when he would wander or sniff or have zoomies or pee in the ring or play with the other dogs at the fence, then the instructors at the time told me to just end it. And so if he did that, if he wasn't paying attention, if he didn't want to play, well then he gets to lose his turn and we don't get to play and the game ends. And yeah, that's just teaching him that the game ends if he wants to act like that. If he doesn't want to participate, if he doesn't want to behave, then the game ends. Now, that might have worked for most dogs, but that didn't really work for Maslow. And I'll get into why in a little bit. But I had changed facilities. I've gone to a different agility trainer since then. And what has worked for him was getting him back after he has his moment of sniffing or wandering or zoomies or whatever and making him do something simple and rewarding him. So getting him back and asking him for a jump or a tunnel because he really likes tunnels. He's looking at me right now as soon as I said tunnel his ears perked up like are we gonna tunnel? Anyways, so he's not normal. So ending it when he was wandering or sniffing or whatever just didn't work for him. It just made the behavior worse. What has worked for him is getting him back after wandering or sniffing, asking him for a simple jump or a tunnel or just something easy, and then ending the session. And so it's teaching him that I end the game on my terms and not on his. Now for 
fly ball, he would do much of the same. So he would do a lot of the wandering and sniffing. Flyball is indoors though, so he never really had an issue with marking. So it was mainly the wandering and the sniffing. And if he found a room that he could get into, he's, his curious brain said, oh, I want to go in there. He still does that to this day. But I have noticed that when he started getting better in agility with the wandering and sniffing and all that, he would start getting better in flyball. And so with both of those sports, I just changed my mindset a little bit. And so I changed it from mainly agility was the was the main one I was having problems with, but in agility I changed it from okay, you're going to be doing this job because I ask you to, right? I was like this is your job, you got to work, you got to train to let's just have fun. I changed it to we're here, we're going to have fun and we're going to play this fun game together. And when he would wander, or I guess when he does wander or sniff, instead of saying no and being upset at him and yelling at him to come over, I just kind of look at him now and I'm just kind of like, what are you doing? You know, and I just look at him, I'm like, what you doing? And he usually looks back at me and I'm like, let's go play. I'm like, let's go have fun. And that's been a lot easier for me to get his attention and focus back onto me and back onto what we're doing. Now in Barn Hunt, he had learned that peeing in the ring would make the game end and he wouldn't have to work anymore. And then he eventually figured out that he wouldn't even have to pee. He could just lift his leg like he was peeing and the game would end. And so to help him with that, we would keep our session short, really, really short, like 10 seconds maybe. And it would be easy. The rat would basically be in front of him. I'd like let him go. Rat would be right there. Reward, get out. And we always ended with him wanting more. And so just a note here on why on why getting him to come back and work again after he's lost his mind a little bit works for him. It's not that he doesn't like these sports and he's ending them because he doesn't enjoy them. He loves all the sports that he does, but he loves being in charge more than anything. So if he can figure out how to be the one calling the shots, then that's a dream come true for him. And I've learned that with him. So in a lot of his training, it's been changing his mindset to let him know that we're going to have this super fun game, but know that you don't call the shots. I do. <laughs> right? So that has been some of his naughtiness in his dog sports. I'm going to move on to talk about some of his naughtiness, naughtiness in obedience. And so the first one was is going to be walking, um, specifically more loose leash walking. 
but there was a time when I had started consistently walking him more. This was before he did so many sports. And he would bark about like a block up the street. Just for that one block, he would just be barking his head off. Like he had to tell the whole neighborhood. The whole, whole neighborhood <laughs> that he was going on a walk. And it didn't matter what time of day, morning, evening, middle of the day, he would just be barking his head off for this first block. And it was always just this first block. As soon as we rounded the corner, silence. So what I did for that is I, well, first of all, I didn't do this on our early morning walks. We didn't do early, early morning walks because that would just be rude, people sleeping and he's like barking his head off. But what I would do is I would start to walk him and if he started barking, then I wouldn't move. I would just stay still and when he was silent, then I would start to move. And I wouldn't say anything when he started barking, I would just sit there and he would just bark. And when he was silent and I moved, then I would praise him, tell him he was a good boy, give him some treats. But if he barked, then I stopped saying anything. And we stopped moving. And so this would, this would mean sometimes that I was just standing there for an extremely long time until he was silent. While he was just throwing this barking tantrum. And it would mean that I would, like, barely be able to move a step before he started barking again. But eventually we got to the point where he figured out that barking doesn't get him anywhere. I started adding in that if he was sitting there barking for a little bit, well, then I would turn around and I got further away from where he was trying to go so that he would learn... Barking wasn't bringing him forward. It was actually starting to pull him backwards. And I think adding that step definitely helped him with that little little bit of naughtiness there that I don't know really how it started, but that's at least how we solved it. And he doesn't do that anymore, thank goodness. He's definitely gotten over that. And then also during quarantine... He had regressed on his leash skills, probably because he wasn't going out as much because everything was canceled. And so we had to do, you know, back to square one of not moving while he was pulling. And he got frustrated with it, but eventually, it, you know, it was like riding a bike and he figured it out again. Um, and it would be a lot of the same things, like I mentioned, for his barking. I wouldn't move if he was pulling. As soon as it was loose, I would start moving forward. And sometimes it would mean our walks were just to the end of the driveway and back. It it wouldn't even mean that we would be able to go any amount of significant distance for him. But that's what worked for him. And when the leash was loose, I would give him praise and give him lots of treats. And then when it was tight or taut, I I wouldn't move. 
and eventually I would start moving backwards if he really wasn't getting it. And he's much better with that now. Um, in general, we're working on his leash skills outside of his usual areas. So like more in strange places that he hasn't been to before, we're working on generalizing that loose leash walking behavior. But I would say as far as his regression, we are back to normal. Now we're working on progressing further and we're kind of at the point that we were before COVID happened. Maybe a little bit better than that. One of his other naughty points actually, which I think people are always shocked to hear about, um, was the fact that he was, he did have some reactivity issues for a little bit. And I wouldn't say it was aggressive by any means. He's never been a regressive dog at all, or regressive, aggressive dog at all. But he would, he would bark at other dogs. He would whine like he wants to play with them. And I would say it started at about maybe a year and a half or so. And he did have his CGC at this point. I think he just was going through a really bad teenage phase. And so when he saw these dogs, he would either bark or whine. Um... And he would always be alert that another dog was there. You could tell in his body language, you know, he would perk up and his ears would perk forward when he saw these dogs. And for that behavior, adding a gentle leader helped for us. And I do still use it every now and again if I'm going into a new situation. I'll just bring it with me just in case. But we have, for the most part, uh, weaned off of it, and he doesn't really use the gentle leader nearly as much as he did in the beginning. And so the biggest thing for him is obviously treats. I would give him treats every time there was a dog around, and I would try to catch him before he started barking at the dog. And I always had high-value treats on me, so things like bacon, ham, cheese, um, chicken, something that he doesn't normally get. So it just entices him that much more. And while the dog was there, I would just pull him off to the side and just give him these treats and just talk to him very sweetly and say, oh, it's just another friend. No need to worry. Like that friend's out on a walk too. And... It eventually got to the point where I actually started being able to use him as reactive dog practice. And I would use him as reactive dog practice on his gentle leader too. Although at that point he was fine in his usual areas without it. You never really knew what was going to happen, so I just used his gentle leader. And it actually was added practice for him being able to use him as practice because he would have dogs be barking at him. And so he got practice being calm around dogs that were kind of freaking out towards him. Now, obviously, as trainers, we don't want those dogs to act that way, but you, some things happen. 
And so it was added practice for him to have that skill. And I would say there's still some dogs that for some reason rub him the wrong way, but I can usually catch him before that happens. A lot of it is if a dog is staring directly at him, which if you don't know is very rude in dog body language. Um, so a dog staring directly into another dog's eyes just isn't exactly welcoming, um, and it can cause your dog to go off. So if I can catch him before I notice a dog doing that, then he's usually fine. Uh, but that is one of his, his triggers for sure, is if they're staring at him, that's really hard for him, so we're still working on that. But overall, he's light years ahead of where he started with all of this. And, I mean, it took some patience, you know, it wasn't, Rome wasn't built in a day, took, took some patience and perseverance, but he's definitely light years better than where he was. But obviously there's always more to go. And that's really my overall statement for this episode is that Maslow still has a long ways to go. He's not perfect. He's only three years old. And I know a lot of people think, and I was one of those people, that at a year old, your dog's an adult, and they should be done with the crazy puppy stuff. But that's not true. Your dog is still going to have some problems probably throughout their lifetime, but really, they don't start settling down until, at least for corgis, closer to, like, maybe five years old. So he's only three. He still has a lot to go. He still has a lot of training to do. He's nowhere perfect, but training never stops. Training always continues. There's not really going to be a point where I say, okay, Maslow's done training. There's always going to be more to learn. And so while he has come a long way from an eight-week-old puppy or even a year-old, he still has a long ways to go. But I think that can be said of any dog, really. And he is a very good boy, but he's not perfect by any means. I don't know if he ever will be perfect, right? Like, a perfect dog would be a robot dog. <laughs> and that's just not always possible. But my biggest takeaways, knowing him, training him, and having a more difficult dog when it comes to training, is that it's... So I guess my advice, I should say, is to make training fun. You know, make it enjoyable for them. Make it a fun thing to do. Don't make it a job. Yes, they should know these things, but make it a fun thing for them to learn. It's a fun time. It's a fun game that they get to have with you. And a second piece of advice would be to be more stubborn than your dog. Like I talked about with the barking and the loose leash walking, a lot of it was me just not giving in and just waiting him out and being more stubborn than him. He wanted to bark his head off for 10 minutes, then I was going to stand there and we weren't going to move forward for 10 minutes. You know, being, it, being more stubborn, which also means you got to be patient and wait them out. And my third piece of advice, I kind of said it earlier, but 
you know, dog training never ends. One. Two, dog training isn't linear. It's going to be more like a roller coaster where some days are going to be great and some days are going to be awful. And progress happens in baby steps. So I always encourage people to take videos. One, so you can catch your timing in your video and look back and be like, oh, I could have caught that. And two, to have something to look back on in those times where you're feeling frustrated so that you can look back and be like, okay, but look, this is where my dog had started, you know? And my last piece of advice is to celebrate the little little wins. For example, your dog can hold a stay for 15 seconds. Celebrate that. Would you like your dog to hold a stay for five minutes? Of course. But now your dog can hold a stay for 15 seconds, and last week it could only hold a stay for five seconds, so celebrate that. That's still a win. That's, even though it's a baby step, it's a step closer to your goal of a stay for one minute. So this has been Maslow Monday, talking all about Maslow's naughty side. Next week, we will have Flyball again, so I'm sure I will have an update for you. But for right now, I am kind of liking this method of like, let's talk about Maslow and Maslow's training. So we will talk to you guys next Monday. We, as in Maslow and I, and I hope you guys have a great week. Corgi Confident is for educational purposes only. Please contact a vet, trainer, groomer, or other pet professional in your area for help. Want more Corgi content? Make sure to follow Maslow the Trick Corgi on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube. And if you have a question, you can email us at corgiconfidentpodcast at gmail.com. This is the Corgi Queen, signing off.